to the Roden Fellows podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Stubbs, a senior broadcast journalism student at Florida A&M University. Today, I am joined by my fellow Jonathan, the great Bill Roden, and Tarika Brasby. How about you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? All right. Well, I guess I will go first. My name is Tarika Foster Brasby. I am a production assistant here at uh, an ESPN radio and also producer of the Around the Rim podcast um, sponsored by ESPNW and hosted by LaChina Robinson. My name is Jonathan Scott and I'm a third year broadcast journalism major at Hampton University. And I'm Bill Roden and we're writer at large for The Undefeated. And uh, I hang around with uh, the Roden Fellows. All right, everyone. Well, we have some great topics to discuss today. But before we get into that, how's everyone doing? You know, we're still in the COVID stage. Jonathan, I know me and you are going through midterms right now. So just a wellness checkup. How's everyone feeling? Just I'm, I'm still on spring break, so I got a couple more days left, but I'm enjoying the time off. Listen, that <laughs> spring break is not fair because us students at FAMU did not get a spring break. So, like I said, we're just we're just floating right now. But spring break, where are you? I'm just curious. I'm in Tallahassee, Florida. I know, but no, where's Johnson? He on spring break? Where? Oh, uh, DC. DC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not out and about though. I'm definitely quarant- I'm not quarantining, but I'm home. There's there's no reason for me to be outside uh, at least. That's what I'll say. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, my big news. I got my second shot. This is a generational thing. I got my second vaccine shot uh, last week. My Moderna okay. second shot. So. So you're uh, not scared of the vaccine at all. I mean, you're on the second shot. You're just going with it. I mean, what are you go- what are you gonna do? I mean, <sighs> you know, you either gonna be one of those people who. Uh, who are like at the at the uh, the Capitol riots? I ain't one of those people, you know. Talking about I don't believe it, and the moon isn't real, and you know that guy's. I know I'm not one of them kind of people. So there's a there's a vaccine. So okay, you know we'll get the vaccine. I do believe that the virus is real. <laughs> okay, definitely. Tarigo, what about you? What's been going on with you? I am actually chilling right now, finally. I've been working on a really big project here at ESPN called I'm Speaking. It's gotten really great views. It's gotten a lot of attention. Um, Our first episode had Bozeman St. John, who's the chief marketing officer of Netflix, and Natasha Cloud. Shout out, DC. She plays for the Mystics. So now that that's over, at least the first episode, I can breathe. (laughs) All right. That's good news. That's good news. Well, guys, time is moving and we are in March, but Black History Month ended in the world, in the world, quote unquote, in the world. But for us, it's Black History Always. So I want to know what were some of your favorite moments from Black History Always? Um, It's it's funny because before we started recording, I was asking um, both you and Jonathan if you guys participated in some of the stuff that we did here at the company. And I think for me, that's probably um, the biggest thing that I enjoyed this month. I always struggle 
with Black History Month because a part of me is like the world is all of a sudden recognizing that there's Black people in it. And this is the month that they would like to decide to talk <laughs> about us and celebrate us like we aren't here the other 11 months of the year. However, I do enjoy um, being in that spotlight and having our people in our culture and the things that you know we've done for society worldwide highlighted, even if it's for 28 days. So I've really enjoyed just all of the different conversations that we've had, recognitions that I've seen, um, some TV shows that have really gone above and beyond to make sure they recognize the diversity. Um, just all of that has really, it really made me feel uplifted this, this Black History Month. Yeah, you know, the undefeated, you know, does so much great stuff. I mean, you know, speaking about Black history always, you know, with the undefeated, every day is Black History Month. Thanks. And that's the great thing about, A, going to an HBCU. It's the great thing about being at the end of the day. Every day, you know, I, I worked at the Afro-American newspaper and Ebony Magazine. Every day is Black History. <laughs> it's Black History Month. So it's not like a unique thing you know it's like always all black all the time you know we have to squeeze in white history you know <laughs> somebody came to morgan for a football game one and they did we played the black national anthem first then we played the uh, <laughs> they said, what so yeah that's you know that's that's the priority so you know uh i read some this year i read some vignettes for you know that ran i guess on the on the network of some black history month vignettes and then did a thing, I think, uh, along with uh, Jesse Washington and Clinton Yates. Uh, uh, and there, you know, a thing about Black music and Black athletes. It's a really nice job that they did. So, yeah, it's just a great thing about being at the undefeated, really. I mean, it's just, we're just so rich, as you guys know, as fellows. I mean, like, every single day, it's like celebrating Black men and right. women. So I agree. It's, it's not like, you know, you go to some places like, you know, like you go to these white institutions, it's like, all right, today, like like Tariq said, okay, all right, this month we're gonna have Black History Month. It's like, <laughs> like speaking of the undefeated, though, shout out to Justin Tinsley during Black History Month. He debuted on Around the Horn, and I'm super excited about that because that's a space that we definitely need and continue to have more diverse voices and faces. Yeah. So. Shout yeah. out to you, Justin. That's great, Justin. Yeah. Right. I agree. Jonathan, I want to ask you, how well do you think the sports world represented Black History Month? I think they did a great job, honestly, with. Um... That's it. That's what I say, Tarika. But how, how would you and Bill say the, the sports were represented Black History Month? First off, don't even talk about the Knicks. They just beat my Pistons, Jonathan. I'm not extremely excited about that. <laughs> um, but no, I think the sports world did a pretty good job of, of displaying um, all of the love for HBC. First of all, hey, look, we're all HBCU graduates. We understand how important it is. And I'm just really happy to see other people understanding and putting some financial resources behind yeah. our institutions, no matter how big or small, no matter how prominent or how main, uh, how unmainstream your institution may be. We all can use as much financial resources as possible. So I think that being the main thing was so important that businesses are doing, the sports world is doing. I'm not necessarily a fan of the all-star game happening personally, no, but 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 I do appreciate that they at least are going to take the money and put it towards HBCU progress. 
Yeah, I'm with you, Terry. I mean, I'm kind of with LeBron because he was like, why are we doing this? You know, right. why are we playing in, in, in the middle of a pandemic in Atlanta, of all places? <laughs> and sure, you know, we're going to go do this all-star game. But I'm also with you, Tarika, that, you know, uh, you know, HBCUs are getting a lot of love from outside the HBC universe. And I think it's great, you know, with with a vice president coming from Howard. This is just a really a great moment uh, in time. And, and the sports leagues typically do a pretty good job with um, Black history. But why should they not when, you know, 70% of the NFL and 80% of the NBA is Black? I mean, it is Black history. So, you know, but it, it's, it's, it's nice. And like you said, Tarika, the fact that um, some resources are going to HBCUs, it's, it's a, you know, listen, what's the hate? Exactly. I agree. I agree with all of you. I think right now during this time, I think the sports world understands that it's a need to really support black history and, and recognize it. So going back to the bubble and going back in the summer when everything was happening, they're still carrying that same weight and still showing that, hey, this is a common issue that we all need to come together and really work on and try to change. And also speaking of just the NBA players recognizing HBCUs, FAMU and Nike actually agreed to a six-year deal with LeBron James. So that's big for us. So I know that just goes to show that, you know, these athletes are actually stepping up and partnering with these HBCUs and putting, using their platform to help us get to a greater purpose. So I'm definitely excited about that. But any sports teams, NBA teams, speaking on that topic, any teams you're keeping up with right now? I know my Golden State Warriors, you know, we're just a team that came into the season and, we were kind of doubted, but I, I like I like our team so far. So what about you guys? Tariq, I'll start with you. Well, I'm a Detroit Pistons fan. We clearly have our struggles, bottom of the barrel. But it's cool, though, because Jeremy Grant looks amazing and he's balling. And I love the way that we are pulling our young guys together to kind of get a great core. I hope we can get Blake Griffin off this roster. I <laughs> hope we can get some coins. So we can step our game up. Okay. Baseball season is starting. My Detroit Tigers are doing okay in Lakeland. So I'm getting excited. Every year I get excited for a great baseball season. And over the last three years, every year I get my heart broke, but that's okay. I'm hopeful. So I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I'm doing well. The NFL draft is approaching. I'm a Colts fan. So I'm excited about what we're going to do there. I'm not so excited about Carson Wentz, but that's a whole (laughs) different conversation. So we're doing good. We're doing right. good. <laughs> you're from Detroit. I, I get am. That. But 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 you're a coach. So I'm trying to get I'm trying to get I'm trying to follow this line. Lions are that bad. Come on. It's do that. totally not the lions. <laughs> I mean, you so, I will tell you really quickly. I will tell you really quickly. I'm Detroit everything, right? Pistons, um, Red Wings, Tigers, Michigan State. Like that's me. However, most girls you know which I hope we change but most girls learn football from their dads right at least back in the 80s and 90s you learn so I was a Colts fan because my father was a Baltimore Colts fan he loved Johnny Unitas and it just so happened the year I was born is the year they moved to Indy so like I'm legit I'm thorough I got a tattoo and everything I'm thorough wow really (laughs) wow that's something I mean I covered that then it shows how old that when they move, when they move at See? night. 
when they see you telling out you telling your age now bill right listen bill any teams that you like so far are you an nba fan do you are, are you watching any basketball well, right now you know but i haven't been a fan since i was 16 years old i'm Right, no, 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 the story, uh, you know, I mean, do I, Tom Brady, you know, that's the, I said, well, you know, I got it. This cat is probably the greatest of all time. You know, I don't care. He, 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 he has a questionable choice of friends, but in terms of on the field, it's, it's, it's really not, you know, when they, when they, somebody, we wanted to make a bet against Brady. I said, listen, I was in Houston when he led, when he took uh, the Patriots from 28 to three and beat Atlanta, I said, you know what? I'll never vote, I'll never bet against this cat ever. As long as he's playing, I'll never bet against him at all. So um, uh, a little intrigued by uh, by the uh, the Nets. I'm just wondering when is Kyrie gonna get hurt? You know, sort of like you know, it always happens. Uh, oh, and by the way, Tarika, you guys should trade. You should trade uh, your boy to Duke. Trade who did you say you want to get off the roster? Blake Griffin. And play trade trade Blake Griffin to Duke. <laughs> 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 we listen. I heard LA want him and not the Clippers, so I'm I'm here for it. Like tell Brian, come get him, make it happen. <laughs> Just get him off my roster. <laughs> wow. So Jonathan, what about you? Now I know you said you kind of you know you kind of like the Knicks. Well, being from Brooklyn, naturally, I w grew up a Knicks fan. I actually, I can relate to Tarika too, though, because I left, ended up leaving New York, moving to Michigan. So, and that was probably around 2003, 2004, just in time for their, the Pistons magical run, which my family definitely Wasn't magical. Loved. Was it was it a magical, magical run. Don't be disrespectful, run. Jonathan. <laughs> it was a magical run. <laughs> I loved it too. I was a huge fan. Chauncey Billups is still my favorite player. But um, I mean, you know, definitely keeping it real with the Knicks. The Nets, being from Brooklyn, I still reserve the right to switch my allegiance either or. But it's always going to be the Knicks for me in my heart. I mean, Julius Randle deservedly has made the All-Star team. Obi Toppin in the dunk contest. So I'm really looking forward to see what, what they're bringing up. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm with you though, Tarika. Yeah, you know, and it goes to show. I know it's another podcast, another subject for another podcast. But as much money these brothers made, they're saying somebody else said, "No, you're gonna go down to Atlanta and play in the All Star game." You know, but it, but it's COVID. You go to Atlanta. Think you're absolutely right. I honestly just think like as much as you know, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms can say we're not here to party, please don't come here. As much as they can say, state regulations are telling you to do this and do that. And as much as Adam Silver and the NBA can say, we're not sanctioning any activities. We're not in, you know, asking our players to do any nightlife. They don't understand that the NBA is a business, but the city of Atlanta has businesses too. Right. And you just put one of the most popular sporting events in the middle of a pandemic down in the city that was already wide open 
they don't need LeBron James to be mm-hmm. at the club to put on a flyer. Mm-hmm. LeBron mm-hmm. James is going to be, you know what I mean? Like they don't need that. Like, so I just feel like why invite, you know, you, you, you want to be able to say, Oh, you know, the NBA didn't support this. We didn't sanction this. We didn't endorse this. So it's not on us, but it's just why even invite the unnecessary, just, you know, you could have gave them the honor. They could have did some virtual 2k thing or whatever, and left it at that. You know, we know who the all-stars are and who's not. You didn't really have to to, to make it, you know, to, to do that. But here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Staying in the NBA talk, we're going to go ahead and transition because LeBron James versus Zlatan, a little debate between there about politics. Now, he took to LeBron and said that he's phenomenal at what he's doing, but he doesn't like when people have some kind of status. They go and do politics at the same time. He went on to say that athletes unite the world, politics divided. The soccer superstar said that our role is to unite the world by doing what we do best. Athletes should be athletes and politicians should do politics. So what are you guys' opinions on that? Do you guys disagree or not? Because LeBron James said that he would never stop doing or stop speaking up on the equities in this country or the inequities in this country so what do you guys think not much i mean that's why he plays soccer you know i mean he need he need he need he needs to come into the 21st century i mean that that thinking is so old i mean you know even even uncle tom's you know no i mean you know we, we way past that so it's really not anything to comment about that ship has left the station you know uh athletes are empowered and and again when we say activism we're talking about not just one side or the other, no, no matter who, what side you're on, you know, whether you're conservative or liberal, whatever, you know, be involved, be involved, create the dialogue. This idea of just being a stupid jock and kicking a ball is, is as Biden said, Neanderthal. So that's what I think about him. Okay, Jonathan, what about you? Um, well, I mean, I think fighting racism was at the core of the the whole BLM um, commotion anyway. So, I mean, fighting racism really isn't a political issue. It's a human issue. So I think it's very telling where Zlatan's coming from here. I mean, I really think he probably missed the point that LeBron was making, but not happy about the comments. Tariqa? I think someone should show him a fast forwarded video of the WNBA from the start of 2020 to the end of January 2021, where 144 women banded together to not only flip a state, to not only change the senatorial seats in the state of Georgia, but actually let's add February 2021, where Renee Montgomery is now co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. And then you tell me whether or not activists and athletes don't coexist or aren't necessarily the same people. It's just ridiculous at this point. Anyone still telling folks to shut up and dribble, to just play at this point, you just want the attention. And I just kind of refuse to keep giving it to you. Drops mic. Listen, listen, drops mic literally because, and I honestly feel like, like you said, Tarika, the attention nowadays, and they know that athletes, especially our black athletes are going to stand up and are going to speak on these issues. So to come out with these comments and say, you know, just, just be an athlete, just shut up and dribble. Like, that's not what we're standing for anymore. Like, this is a, this is a brand new era. Like we are taking, we are ancestors, but we are, you know, not our ancestors. So we're taking the initiative 
and really stepping up and saying, hey, like I can't as an athlete in my position, I can't just play basketball. I have to be more and I have to be an advocate for what's going on in the world. So I definitely agree there. My question next is how do you guys see athletes like LeBron James kind of not just clapping back with their words, but stepping up and showing that, you know, I want to stand for a greater purpose. What, what actions are you seeing from some of the top athletes? Well, you know, people, I mean, again, people putting their money where their mouth is. We just talked about the WNBA and uh, HBCUs, Chris Paul, you know, I mean, and that's what I like. I mean, we get hung up in activism, what you say, you don't really have to say anything, you know, it, you know, the economics are very, are the silent spike. I'd rather you say nothing, but, you know, uh, build, you know, uh, buy banks, build schools, you know, you don't have to say anything anymore. You know, you, you let the, you let the money speak for it. You know, I mean, I, it, I think it's good when you quote unquote speak out, but I think we're in, you know, we're, we're at a phase now where actions speak much louder than words. The words are nice for our industry and we can kind of beat them up, but you have that silent power where you just get stuff done. You raise multi-millions of dollars. Maybe you're going to buy a team. Like I said, buy banks. I think more and more athletes, young, are aware, are, they're aware that 50 years from now, when we look back on my generation, what did we do? You know, not, you know, the record books will not exist, but what do we do is ta tangible? Is there a bank? Did we buy banks? Did we, how many uh, doctors, young black doctors, did we send to medical school? How many lawyers did we send to law school? How many, you know, things like that that are tangible when you look back. What's our footprint? I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. And considering, just feeding off what you just said, Bill, uh, Russell Westbrook actually just opened a school in South Los Angeles, I believe in his hometown. And basically he's opened a school for literacy and kids in lower neighborhoods. So that's definitely where showcases how athletes are putting, you know, their money where their mouth is. Jonathan, do you want to follow up? Yeah, I mean, just in case in point, LeBron with his sponsorship with FAMU and the basketball team, just like uh, Chris Paul has with... Uh, Winston-Salem. I mean, these athletes are clearly putting their money where their mouth is and investing in HBCUs. And it that can only that can only benefit us more and more. I also think it's important to know athletes who attended HBCUs and how they are continuing to just kind of show that you don't have to attend um, you know, a, a huge, well-known PWI in order to be successful. And that's one of the ways that they can definitely get back. I, I instantly think Darius Leonard that comes to mind and not just because I'm a Colts fan, but because he's so out there, you know what I mean? He's a South Carolina state graduate and he lets people know, Hey, listen, I didn't get in Clemson. They didn't want me there, but guess what? You know what I mean? Um, you know, rookie defensive player of the year. I am a, you know, a pro bowler. I, you know, I've, I've got accolades to prove that I'm good. And then on top of that, um, I'm giving back in ways that, you know, show how much I appreciated learning from this institution and how other people will do the same. Um, I can't remember his name right now. It escapes me, but the player who was number one in the country and decided to commit to Howard, um, uh, Maho Maker, I think is his name. Um, McCore Maker. Yep. McCore Maker. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry about that. But yeah, he's another one. Like, I think things like that help to build the importance of, you know, what it means to be an HBCU student, um, just kind of helps to kill the narrative that, 
you know, HBCUs don't prepare you or, you know, HBCUs, like people forget, you know, Howard is D1. <laughs> so when you say go to a D1 school, he did go to a D1 school. You know what I mean? It may not have been the D1 you thought of, but it is D1 nonetheless, right? So I just think these kinds of things all come together aside from, you know, just regular, you know, institutions and just regular people, you know, giving back, like the caliber of ways that they are giving back financially, of course, but also with notoriety, also with things that they're doing. You know, when we see Divine Nine organizations coming together, bringing money to institutions, being in the forefront of things, like this is important. You know, I, I instantly also think of the voting campaign over the past election in 2020. Everywhere I go, I was seeing people say, let's get out the vote, let's get out the vote. So it's ways that we're giving back to our communities that are that are valuable, that are not just monetarily, although that's what we putting up here, but those other those other things are just equally as important and it's really shaping our future realistically. Well, we're gonna go ahead and shift gears here. We're gonna talk about unpaid internships and paid internships, as we know that it's the season of when we're applying to internships and jobs. So Jonathan, I wanna start off with you first. What is your notion? Do you like the notion of unpaid internships? And have you ever really went through an internship where it was unpaid? Um, I get that people that are like the generation before us definitely have expected us to, you know, you hear, pull yourself up by our bootstraps. You want to work hard. The generation, the jobs that we want, the people that are in those jobs that we want, they may see us as having an easier time of, of attaining those same jobs. So I can understand us wanting to earn and pay our due respect. But at the same time, in today's day and age, these companies are expecting the most competitive students and you're, you're only going to breed more competition with paid internships. The highest, most skilled students are going to want to be paid and reimbursed for their time while they learn on the job for sure, but that comes at a price. Yeah, and, and you know, with student loan debt rising almost $1.7 trillion last year, uh, and then you look at the wealth gaps, uh, these, these um, unpaid internships are, are uh, unethical because they're basically uh, exclusive and basically the only people who can afford them are people whose parents front them and support them, you know? So again, it's this thing that, that we've been talking about since the pandemic hit, this at almost every level, this inequality at almost every level. And the same thing with these unpaid internships. I'm, you know, no, I, I don't like it at all because again, it just fosters inequality, fosters non-diversity, you know? I agree. Tarika, growing up, did you ever go uh, have an internship and it was unpaid? And did you feel like, you know, wow, like I'm really working for free? So I'm actually going to bring a dissenting opinion because I did have an unpaid internship. But I think the difference is the expectation from the employer. So I did my internship with the Barack Obama campaign in North Carolina when I was a student. And because it was unpaid, I was not expected to show up every day at eight o'clock in the morning, work until four. You got to do this, 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 this. No, I'm not paying you. I need somebody to help me pass out these flyers. I need someone to help me 
you know, stack these, these, these files. I need someone to help make these calls. I also want to help you learn the political landscape. I was a poli sci major in college. So in undergrad for me, helping with this campaign, seeing how campaign managers work, understanding this landscape was valuable to me. It also was a college credit. If I didn't have an internship, I couldn't graduate. So I was like, look, I got to do something, right? But at the same time, I had, wait, one to two hours. I think it was two hours. Um, they were only requiring me to come two to three days a week. Um, I got one-on-one -on -one time when I asked for it. It was basically like, listen, we want to help you learn and grow, but we also understand we can't afford to pay you. So this is what we can do for you if you can do this for us. And it did not feel like work. I think the expectation to have somebody come in and do a service for you for hours on end, and you're not providing them anywhere to stay, you're not providing them anything to eat, you're not providing them any type of college credit, you're not doing nothing. All you're saying is, I want you to give your life to me, but I'm only going to give you an experience, a couple pointers, like that's unfair. So I'm not going to say I downplay unpaid internships, but I am going to say you really need to understand if you're the employer, what you're asking of your intern and how you are asking that of them if you're not giving them any coins. <laughs> For real. I agree. I like that take. That's an interesting take. And Jonathan, I want to ask you with this, uh, with Tarika, when she said that, you know, her internship didn't feel like work. It kind of was just like, you know, she came in and she was able to help where she was able to help. Do you think in our age that that would work for you? Or do you think our internships now are actually preparing us for the real world? I think they definitely prepare us for for the real world. For, um, for instance, Hampton, I don't know if it's an actual policy policy, but to us, the students, it's like if the only companies they allow on campus are ones offering paid internships. The, um, like we frequently have companies like Disney come to our campus and meet with the recruiters and help us build those relationships now while we have the summers in between from our either sophomore year to senior year where we have time to take advantage of internships and the time but building the um, camaraderie between the recruiters and the students is an excellent excellent opportunity that we are able to take advantage because of paid paid internships yeah yeah I mean I, mean, I, I hear what you're saying, Tarika, and I think we kind of come up on the same. It, it, it just shouldn't be exploitive, you know. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it shouldn't be exploitive, and I think, given the capitalistic <laughs> thing, and I think that's why this issue came up because it, it was becoming exploitive. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 but and there again, but I am serious about this whole idea of who could afford it. You know, mm -hmm. you, you have somebody whose parents could just, yeah, forget it. Just, you know, yeah, just pay, pay unpaid, and I'll pay you, you know. But again, like you said, though, if you're hungry enough, you'll make it work, you'll, you know, because that might be your only way to get your foot in the door. So I, I see that too. I'd never, I don't think I've ever had an internship at all. I don't think they were invented yet. Internships. <laughs> we definitely had an internship. They were like, you have to take an intern. You have to have an internship for like half a semester, your junior or senior year when I when I was at St. Aug. I don't know how that's changed now. We unfortunately didn't have, and this wasn't that long ago, or maybe it was that long ago, like 10 years ago. So yeah, you know, we didn't have the luxury of having a lot of recruiters, especially in, in my subject matter at that time that were coming in 
to look at jobs and things. I just so happened to get lucky that it was 2008, President Obama was running for president. And I was really a traitor because while I worked my intern with the um, Barack Obama campaign, I was actually president of the Students for Hillary Clinton Club. So I was out here, I was out here like, listen, <laughs> I, I, I want to see my girl win this prime, I mean, win this primary, but I also want to graduate. So right. I'm gonna go ahead and take this internship with Obama. <laughs> listen, that's really funny. I agree. Um, I, I definitely have that same course where it's required that we have an internship during our junior or senior year. So I understand the requirement of the internships, but I just I don't know. I think for me, and like I say, in, in the digital age now, in this world, during a pandemic, that yeah. unpaid internships are just not the way to go. And um, like you brought up a great point to saying that it doesn't feel like work. I feel like if it doesn't feel like work and you genuinely think it's helping you towards your career or any goals that you want to pursue, go for it. But in general, unpaid internships, I don't know. It's just something that that the, the world's gotta gotta fix gotta tackle will a bill said his his internships weren't invented back then but i definitely <laughs> think there were some internships back then bill that that, that, that they would have paid you they would have paid you listen, but 2021 get your coins sis don't don't work <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> right well it's been really fun just talking to you guys today well thanks for listening to the Roden fellows podcast this show is produced by Jonathan Scott. Special thanks to Tariqa Foster Brasby, Karina Buswell, and the ESPN Digital Audio Content Team. I'm Marissa Stubbs, and I've been your host. Get all the HBCU 468 podcasts by subscribing to the Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Join us next time for another HBCU podcast, and don't forget to make the Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone. You too.